born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Anyway, tonight, we want to talk about a little subject. So take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans in chapter... 10, Romans in chapter 10, there's a, uh, a statement that I read here one day. It's been several years ago. And so that one little statement that I saw kind of pricked my mind. And that's found in verse 21, uh, Romans chapter 10. In other words, I recall back to the time when God reached out to me, but he reached me through a person that was in the hand of God. So you think about the arm, the power of God, and that God wants us to be in his hands, and God reaches out to us through people. I want to be a hand, in God's hands, that God can use to reach people with. I was sitting at the restaurant the other day, and I was thinking about the person that I saw sitting about four or five booths away from me. And I thought to myself, self, wouldn't it be neat if God just reached out and got a hold of that guy? And God says, yes, I'm trying. I want to reach him through you. I want to reach him through you, through me. Now, in that verse 24, but to Israel, he saith, all day long, have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient people. That word disobedient could be the same thing as an unbelieving people because it goes up there to verse 17 and so on. But years ago, I was, I don't know, 14, 15 years old, something more into there, living in a place called Wagley, Pennsylvania. It's about 30 miles east of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I had a, a friend of mine, his name was Sammy Groschel. He was about a year older than me, but a lot of times I'd go down to his house and a couple of other guys, and we'd sit around and play poker. This was before my salvation days. And uh, we'd play for, you know, nickels and dimes and pennies, quarters, something like that, you know. And once in a while I'd, I'd win a little bit, and sometimes they'd win a little bit. But it was never much, so it never amounted to anything. But I did learn how to play cards. I learned how to play poker. I learned how to play pretty good. And I, every once in a while, I'd play my brother, and I'd cheat him so bad. But don't tell him, because he always thought I was cheating him, and I was. But I just thought it was because I'm just, I'm just smarter than he is. You know, we can cheat and get away with it, it's okay. But Sammy Groschel, he lived down about three or four blocks from where we were living. 
And um, he had some trap that he had set out along this creek called Brush Creek. And so, well, I'd never been, you know, checking traps. But it was in the wintertime, and there was some snow, and, and uh, the creek was kind of high, and it was kind of swift, and uh, he wanted uh, somebody to go with him. So me and another friend, I can't remember who the other guy was, but we had on our galoshes, our boots, and you always stuck your pants down inside of it and then put, uh, you know, fasten those boots on you. And so we were walking along the edge of the, the creek, and he came to a place where this, where he supposedly had some traps down in there. And so the water was high, and it was raging. And anyway, he got a hold of a branch, and he was kind of leaning out, but he got his foot down into the water, but he couldn't quite see, so he reached down and he bent and the bent tree was bending down with him and all of a sudden he lost his balance and the limb lowered him down and he was like this and the water still filling up his boots and that's like lead and he knew if that limb breaks he goes down down to the bottom of the river and I mean he's in bad trouble well being the hero that I was I had my friend standing there. So I thought, there's not much danger if I stand here on the bank and I grabbed a, a stronger limb and I reached down and got a hold of his hand. But then I had to put one foot down into the water to, to reach him. And then the water started filling up my boot. But I was still hanging on to him and hanging on to the branch. And he was scared. I mean, he was scared because he knew. If something happens, that branch that he was hanging on to, if it breaks, he's, he's under the water. And he won't be able to get out because that'd be like concrete block on his legs. So my friend got a hold. He pulled me and I pulled him. But I thought about this verse. He stretches forth his hand. I stretched forth my hand. The other guy was stretching forth his hand. And between the two of us, we actually saved his life. And his name was Sammy Groshaw. As I know of, we never talked about it after that. It was just something that we did. It was just, it's, it's what you did. And when you do it, you're not thinking about so much as the danger of it. It's just that it's what has to be done. And so we checked a few more traps, and that was the last time that I've ever went looking for anything to be any traps that was laid in a river. That was not my cup of tea. Now, I don't mind having a gun in my hand and go looking for an elk or a deer. But I'm not interested in crawling down there where the banks and trying to see if there's something in a trap. God wants to reach, but he reaches through people. And so I want you to see that verse here in verse 17. Because he just finished asking a bunch of questions. You know, how shall they hear unless somebody goes? And how can they go unless somebody... And how beautiful are the feet of them that... Preach the gospel. And that's in verse 16. So in verse 17, excuse me, verse 16, for they have not all obeyed the gospel. See, the gospel comes with an, a command to it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's something we are to do. So not to believe the gospel is to disobey the gospel, not to believe the message. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So it's disobedience to not believe the gospel. And you'll find that same thing mentioned in the book of 1 Peter in chapter 2 where it talks about that we believe he is precious. 
and we believe on him. And there's those who will not be obedient. They're disobedient not to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not talking about doing good works and earning your salvation, but there is a command to believe the gospel. He makes a statement in verse 18. But I say, have they not heard? Now, he's mainly talking about the nation of Israel. Uh, chapter 9, 10, and 11 is mainly about Israel and the people, uh, the Jewish people. And starts off in uh, chapter 10 where Paul says, I have a desire for Israel that they might be saved because I bear them record. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And so they've been ignorant of the righteousness of God, going about trying to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. But Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So he says, have they not heard? See, God had his prophets. He had his people teaching the people. And they heard. Has their sound not gone into all the world? Now, when you study the book of um, Psalms in chapter 19, Psalms 19, where it talks about their line has gone through all the earth. And it talks about every day the sun goeth forth in its circuit. And it talks about the creation. The world carries a message to it. And then it talks about in the last part of chapter 19, talks about the word of God that is wise and pure and simple. And so he says, have not it gone forth? In verse 19, did I say, or but I say, did not Israel know? For Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, but and by a foolish nation I will anger you. In other words, to make the nation of Israel jealous. God has gone to the Gentiles. It doesn't mean the Jews can't be saved. A lot of individual Jewish people have trusted the Lord. And then he says in verse 20, but Isaiah was very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought not for me. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, but to Israel, I stretched forth my hand. All day long I stretched forth my hand. And you'll read that same thing in the book of Isaiah in chapter 59, also 61. God has reached forth his hand, and he does it through people. And I thought it was interesting that if you understand, you don't see God's arm. You don't see his hand. You don't see his body at all. If God has a body, but he relates to us and says that he that made the ear, shall he not hear? He that made the eye, shall he not see? So God made our bodies. Yes, he did. But so that you and I would understand, he also says, I have an arm and I have a hand. And God wants people to be in his hand so that he can reach forth and accomplish something in this world through us. Even though we can't see God, we want to be used by God. And so just to show you that... um, What I'm telling you is true. Look at the next verse there. Just look at it in your Bible or in your notes there. People may be used as an extension of God's arm. Aren't we supposed to be in this world manifesting the Lord? In other words, like magnifying glasses. You see, if every one of us magnified the Lord, just look how great God's going to look in the eyes of some people. Because we're going to help them see something they can't see. And so we're demonstrating some of the characteristics of God. Even though we can't see Him, we know Him. We know what He's like. 
we got the Word of God so we know how He thinks. And we know what He wants to do. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to knowledge and to understanding. This is the will of God. So God wants to use you and I as an extension of His hand, extension of His arm. So here in Exodus chapter 6, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bond. Look at all the time God says, I am the Lord. I will bring you out, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched... Wait a minute. It was Moses that did that. But Moses was in the hand of God. Nobody saw God. They saw the results of God working through a man. And Moses told Pharaoh, let my people go. Did he want to go? He didn't even want to go. He didn't even really want to be used. But God says, this is what I want you to do. And I will be with you. But Moses was an extension of the arm of God. And God was able to use him. But God says, look, look what I did. But he did it with a person. The next verse. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. Now get this. and you Just this one part. By the greatness of thy arm, they shall be as still as a stone till thy people pass over, O Lord. Till the people pass over, which thou hast purchased. God says that he is great and he does mighty things. But he does it in such a way that you see the results of the movement of God, the hand of God. Now, I could not at the moment, as I went through my life, I could not see the hand of God at that moment. But afterwards, I could see the hand of God in everywhere I've been and the things that have been accomplished. And I look back and seen. God used me here, and God used me there, and God did this, and God did this. You take God out of my life, and there isn't anything. Our lives is to be about you and the Lord walking through life. Like I said before, it's not a story about David and Goliath. It's a story about David and God. Goliath was just a problem that you saw the results of David being an extension of the arm of God. David simply was used by God to accomplish great things that brought honor and glory to the Lord. Because David wanted to let them know, you're not going to defy the armies of the living God. And you'd be surprised how God is just looking for somebody who wants to be an extension of his power. Look at the next verse. In Deuteronomy 5.15, And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through, and here's that statement, a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Though you never saw it, but God did it. And God says, I did that. Just like you may not have seen, and Joseph never saw at the moment that all these things were happening to him when he was hated by his brothers and thrown in a pit and was going to be killed. And all of a sudden the Ishmaelites come by, he was sold, went down into Egypt. Next thing you know, yeah, he went from a, a pit to prison and all the way to next in line to, with Pharaoh as a prince of Egypt. But God says in the Psalms, he says, I did that. I sent him forth. I brought him down here because God said I had a purpose to save the nation of Israel. 
because Jacob was getting old and there was a famine and God had already been preparing to take care of those 70 people and they came down into Egypt and God gave them the best land possible where they could stay there for a few hundred years and grow into a great nation. See, God never forgot his promise, but God used the man. And God is continually using people as an extension of his mighty power. Now, there are some verses that will give you without a shadow of a doubt that when you're talking about the mighty arm of God, you're talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the arm of God. Especially, I love it when you get into the book of Isaiah and it brings that out. Look at the next verse. Deuteronomy 9.29 says, Yet there are thy people and thine inheritance, which thou broughtest out by thy mighty power and by thy stretched out arm. I was totally amazed that when I went in there and I wanted to know, how many times is this used? Now, over half of them I, I didn't use. But there are a lot of verses in the Bible that talks about his mighty power and his stretched out arm. As though God is reaching out. I've often wondered now, you know, there's sometimes there's people that are hurting. Have you ever reached out to try to help somebody, whether it's a phone call, a little note, just giving somebody a word of encouragement? I had several people that have done that for me just this week. I even had one guy call me on and left a message on the phone that says, I hope this encourages you. He was reaching out to encourage me because he saw a lot of the comments that people make on the YouTube that are not very encouraging, that are very sometimes nasty, where people criticize, question my motives. I don't know the Bible. I'm definitely wrong. And so they try to teach me what the Bible says. And don't you know, I know their position better than they know their position. And you just have to sometimes just let it go. But then somebody will give you a call or send you a note. And then some people put a statement on there. God bless you, Pastor. That is such a blessing. Now I understand it. And someone will write and say, now I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Now I know I'm going to heaven when I die. This lady from down in Australia, I asked her today when I talked to her on the phone, she called me. I says, when did you understand and know for sure you have eternal life? She says, when I started listening to you on the YouTube, I started listening to your messages. So I got somebody down there that's got them a Bible study because they trusted the Lord. And there was a couple that came to church just last Sunday. They got married over the weekend, came to church the next day. But they trust the Lord because of the YouTube ministry. There's another family who called me up and says they're coming this Sunday. Man and his wife, and I think they had a couple of children that are coming down this Sunday. When you see these people and you don't know who they are, man, make over them. Make them think they have walked into a little room of heaven. Because there's people who say they've never seen a place quite like ours. Every church isn't as friendly as we are. Because every church, they don't know for sure they have eternal life. Knowing you have eternal life can make a lot of people smile. You go into a Calvinist church, they're not as happy. They're not as friendly because they're not sure of their destiny. They're trying to work their way to heaven. They've got to do good things. They've got to be there. I like it when people don't have to come, but they do it because they want to. I just wish more people would want to. <laughs> oh, well, we'll move right along. Look at the next scripture. He says in uh, verse, 
one, uh, 2 of verse 11, uh, chapter 11. And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children which have not known and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm. In other words, God said, you've seen the miracles that I did. You saw the miracle. You saw the result. You know you didn't do it. I mean, you're not the one that parted that red sea. You, you didn't do that. You're not the one that made it close up on the enemy and, and kill them all. He said, I, I did that. All that Moses could say, because I remember Charleston Heston said in there, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But another part that I like was when Yul Brenner says, His God is God. Oh, and I like that. His God is God. Ain't that good? Somebody says that a lot to him. Look down at the nuts first. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, destroy them. You ever heard of a song called something by everlasting arms? Leaning on the everlasting arms. That's supposed to be a place of rest and refuge, protection, where you don't have to fear. Uh, that's under the power of God, the mighty arm of God. And whenever you see what the mighty arm of God can do, and that's where you're hidden. He has hid you in the cleft of the rock under his might. The rock is Christ. And you are protected because of Christ. The next verse, down in Job chapter 40 and verse 9 says, Hast thou an arm like God? Do you got an arm like God? No. We don't have the strength like God has. Or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? No. But you know, you can take the word of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit, you can let people know that God is using you as an extension of his hand because you are in the hand of God. You see, in the book of Isaiah, it talks about, is the arm of God so short that it cannot save, that it can't reach? So it's like God's arm is right there, almost there. And he needs like you and me to be an extension of his hand. An extension of his arm. And God wants to use us. I've had somebody tell me one time, says, God don't need you. God doesn't need you. I said, yes, he does. How do you know? God, he said so. When he says, go ye into all the world. I don't have to do it because he don't need me. He needs you. He needs you. But he doesn't need me. Man, I was always worried there for a minute. I thought I was going to have to do something. God can use all of us. Look down at the bottom of the page. That thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the son of Jacob and Joseph. Page two. Look on the back. We're just warming up. Oh, sing unto the Lord. Psalms 98 verse 1. Sing unto the Lord a new song. You remember I preached a sermon not long ago on if Jesus Christ did not give us eternal security, we have no song to sing. We have nothing to praise God about. Who cares if he paid for 99% of my sins? I still wouldn't have a thing to sing about. I had nothing to rejoice about or praise God about. He paid almost my whole way to go to heaven. That doesn't help me. It's kind of like the, you used to use that little illustration. You know, you're out there in the middle of the ocean, 1,500 miles from shore, and you can't swim. And the boat sinks. 
And there you are, splashing around, and you don't know how to swim. Boat's gone. You're going under. But, lo and behold, here comes somebody in a boat. They come up here and they throw you a little manual. It says, 10 easy lessons on how to swim. Is that a Savior? No. Not a Savior. Uh, Another guy comes by in his little boat. He jumps out of the boat and swims around. Says, now you do like I do long enough and hard enough and you'll make it. Is that a Savior? Not a Savior. Another guy comes by in a boat and he gets you out of the water, puts you in the boat, takes you 10 miles from shore and dumps you out. Is that a Savior? Now, I want somebody who can take me and put in his boat, take me all the way to land and deliver me completely. Almost saving me doesn't help me. Christ paid for my, all my sins. And all I had to do was trust him. Look up here. This end represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God says that he loves us. He hates our sin. And for you and I to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. Because heaven is perfect, God is perfect, and we have to be perfect to go into heaven. But we can't because of sin. And God will not allow us into heaven. So how can God get rid of the sin? Remember, the sin is not just the sin that I commit. It's the sin nature that's within me. I could take this away and I still can't get in. Because, you see, the sin nature is still inside of me. I committed this because I am a sinner. So God has to give me a new birth. Not change me. Not change me. Not sending me to church and do all our good deeds. God has to give me a new birth. So this hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world. He has no sin. No sin nature. So he has no sin. But Christ, because he loves us and he hates our sin, it says that he hates it because it separates us from him. So what Christ did for us, he took our sins, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead and said, if we would believe it, he would give us his righteousness. And if God gave me his righteousness, then I would be as righteous as God. Can I go to heaven if I'm as righteous as God? Why, yes. That's a righteousness that God gives to me by faith in what he did for me. And God says, once you trust him, he'll never cast you out and never lose you. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, right now, why not just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I don't understand it all, but I know that I've done things wrong. I believe that Christ died, paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust him this morning as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, if what I said made sense, would you say, yes, Lord, I will trust Christ as my Savior right now. And friend, by doing that, God will give you eternal life as a free gift. And he'll never cast you out and never lose you. And you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you believe it? Would you trust him? If you will, would you slip your hand up very quickly and say, pray for me. I'll trust Christ as my Savior this morning, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Is there anyone at all before we close? If you've already trusted Christ as your Savior, do you see the responsibility? How that all of us as God's children are responsible to preach the gospel. One way or another, find a way. Find a way. Because one day we'll all stand before the Lord and give an account of ourselves. I won't be judging you. You won't be judging me. 
We all have our own Heavenly Father, and we'll stand before Him. And you don't want to be ashamed before Him at His coming. Our Father, we ask your blessings upon each one here. Ask Father your protection because we're living in a sinful world. And the devil would like us to do everything in the world but talk to people about their soul. And help us to have the confidence and the boldness that we need. And use us for your honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.